to another episode of that So Random a Random Movie Podcast. I'm Heath Lamberts. We have our first animation today. I'm joined by Chris Lamberts. Hello. It's Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart from 2013. It is French. Well, it was originally French. This has been uh, what's the word? Translated and redubbed and whatnot in English. Um, an odd duck this movie I don't know who this movie is for to be honest because there's a lot of st- I really don't feel like it's for little children because there's no. some very odd things in this movie that make it <laughs> not kid friendly but I can't it's not like good enough to be for grown ups or at least discerning grown up. I don't know. Like, it's not... Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's not for kids. Maybe they're, maybe they're on a different level than our kids. I don't that know. could be. That could be. They're, they're probably less sheltered and... I don't know. But there's some... Yeah, it's watchable. It's not, it's not awful, but it's not... It's really not that entertaining. It's pretty slow. The animation is kind of right in the middle too like it's not bad animation it's not like scary godmother or something but it's like all the character designs like the faces are all kind of the same there's not a ton of detail certainly not like pixar levels of detail or something so like it's serviceable it's good enough and some stuff's kind of visually interesting but it's not i don't know i feel like you could you're not missing anything if you never watched this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't have yeah, ever seen it if, without the podcast, but I don't know. I was a little more positive on it than, than you, I think. I Like you say, the animation's not stellar, but I did like the, like the look of it. I liked the style of it. It was very kind of Burton-esque without being like a copy of Tim Burton and I mean there were there were just things I liked about it I liked like like you said how it's it's kind of middle of the road it's not for what we would think of for kids so I mean there's some more like like mature and grown-up ways of going at things and and honestly, the thing that I'm surprised to be saying is I, I really kind of like the music. No. Well, not all of it, but like, like I like the like the they're in the middle of the movie. There's the scene where they're traveling by train and it's all kind of cartoony. That song kind of was kind of cool. It, it was just kind of different. You know, it was like unique to this movie. That's for sure. I definitely feel like all the music is done by, and it's also based on a short story by, and the original voice actor for Jack was the lead singer of uh, some band called Dionysus, which is French or, be- or perhaps Belgian. 
depending on where you look. Um, I, I, de- I, I feel like when it comes to, especially the song lyrics, something was very much lost in translation. Well, yeah, yeah, you can tell. That, like, because it's still, because a lot of times when you have something translated, it rhymed in the original language, so it rhymed in French, but it, but then when you translate it, obviously it doesn't rhyme in English. This rhymes in English, which makes me wonder what they had to sort of change, because it wouldn't have rhymed then in French, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's what I think makes the lyrics sound very, very strange. Is that yeah? There was they probably went well. We still want it to rhyme, so we're gonna have to change the words. And so a lot of times it didn't seem to make as much sense as it would have in the original language. Yeah, and they're definitely not. There's times it's almost like atonal or like anti melody. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's it's definitely not your average kids sing along kind of. I don't know. We'll get into it, but um. Not a, not a successful movie. It costs thirty-three point seven million dollars to make, which seems excessive. Um, and made three point four. So, a fairly colossal failure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and maybe it was. Maybe it was. Obviously, it wasn't anything here. But maybe it was more of a thing. In. France, but even there, it didn't seem to make. It certainly didn't make its budget back. So I don't know. I guess it wasn't for French people either. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think, to wonder, like how advanced in some ways, like French children are compared to American children, that they would look at this. And go, I dig that. Well, they're, they're trying to it like age eight, so <laughs> maybe. Well, all right, let's get into it. It's um, 1884 is when this takes place in Edinburgh, which, unless there's another one, is Scotland, right? Yeah. Yep. Doesn't look like Scotland. They don't sound like Scotland, unless there's an Edinburgh, France, or which maybe there is, but the only one I know is in Scotland anyway. Um. It is relatably cold. So you're in Florida. What's the temperature in Florida right now? Hey, we're in like the the mid upper fifties, fifty six or so. Well, I live in Minnesota, where it for the last week has been negative twenty four. So I understand where this movie's coming from. It's the coldest day in history, and there's a pregnant woman walking up a hill to see. Um, the midwife who lives in the creepy old house at the top of the hill that the town is convinced is a witch we sort of hear through a song narration Um, it's so cold that her tears are freezing on her face and birds are falling frozen out of the sky to land in her hair and fish are jumping out of the water and instantly freezing so it's it's the coldest coldest cold Um, she gets to the house passes out, gets dragged in the house by Dr. Madeline and her glasses-wearing cat who disappears from the room pretty quickly and is never seen again. Um, I don't know if I designed, if I went to the trouble to designing 
like glasses wearing cat. He would be a prominent feature throughout the rest of the movie. But I don't know. Um, yeah, and we get here's where like the not the kind of not for kids, certainly not American kids thing starts because we just we've got this woman up in the stirrups and like i mean we're not seeing like you know i mean it's not like but even just the image of a cartoon woman in <laughs> her legs up in stirrups and we're not seeing that in up or you know anything <laughs> um but she yeah and on top of that it's like an unwed mother we don't know anything about the father she's up in stirrups this baby is born and it's so cold his heart is frozen solid so now we have to have open heart surgery on this newborn who she puts uh dr madeline puts in a vice to hold him and then like opens him up and takes his frozen heart out and puts in a cuckoo and it's not bloody or gory or anything but it's still like wow you know this is not for children like this is a bit well, much maybe through all of it like he's just sitting there like oh, okay uh, all right Oh, cool. You know, just very, just no reaction whatsoever from this baby. Well, I suppose when your heart is frozen, you have no emotions, <laughs> including sadness. Yes, yeah. Which he'll have plenty later because he's the most emo bitch. <laughs> 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 I feel like that's the target audience for this is like Hot Topic kids. <laughs> Some scenes in particular. Which, look, I'm not, I know it's cool to piss on Hot Topic. I like Hot Topic. I buy lots of things at Hot Topic. It's fine. But, you know, that's the cliche. Um, yeah. And she explains to this baby, this newborn baby, that there are three rules now that he has this cuckoo clock heart. Don't touch the hands because it's going to mess it up. Control your temper. Don't get too mad. And don't fall in love. Now, I understand that this kid was perhaps in mortal danger, but there must be a better, maybe there's not a better solution, but you need to work on, like, don't just put this in and go, all right, we're good now. Like, maybe keep working over the years to figure out how to upgrade this thing, because those are pretty harsh. Don't ever lose your temper and don't fall, like, just, you might just want to let this kid die, because this sounds like a terrible way to live. <laughs> You can never have emotions, and you can never. I don't know. Yeah, and that, I mean, right off the bat with this stuff, the whole thing has a very European fairy tale type of feel. Like I, I wondered, which I see you said it was based on his short story, but I wondered if this was based on some old French fairy tale that we've just never heard of. That's it's got that kind of feel, like ridiculous strange things that just happen for no reason and rules that are there for no reason and we just accept them because they're part of the fairy tale you know yeah and then with a dash of like yeah like not quite tim burton like it never goes as far into like you know it's not aping tim burton necessarily but it has that same kind of vibe to the design and, and things um so the mom bails never to be seen again and leaves this baby with because she hears dr madeline who drinks jars of tears <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she says like oh let me get you some tea or whatever it is 
and she just has a she has a jar labeled is it bitter tears or what is that what it says yeah. that, that she's collected from people like the joke about like you know <laughs> the jug of like maga tears or uh <laughs> men's tears or whatever um yeah. but yeah she has a, just like a jar that says bitter tears that she drinks out of so she's an odd duck this dr madeline but she does mention that like she always wanted a kid and couldn't have one and so this unwed mother decides jack will be better off with this doctor who has saved his life ish <laughs> and just leaves in the middle of the night and so now jack is going to be raised by um dr madeline we jump ahead some years maybe this is 1884 maybe it was it's the late 1800s anyway or the mid um <clears throat> the uh dr madeline helps some of the sort of outcasts in town who I mean, everybody else thinks she's a witch but she still has some customers there's a guy who spines all jacked up and she's like grafted a xylophone onto his back to help him out but anytime it rains it gets rusty so he has to periodically come in and have her like oil up his xylophone spine which feels like a real nightmare for christmas tim burton kind of concept anyway yeah. um and there's these two and here's I mean, it's already kind of been not for children. Here's where it gets real. I'm not crazy, right? There are abortions happening in this house. Okay, I'll that. Because there's the two women um, whose names I cannot recall. They're uh, Anna and Luna. Yeah, Anna and Luna, who we don't know what they do. You can maybe take guesses at their profession as the movie goes on but um they are sitting there with very clear pregnancy bellies and they're joking about how the stork came and they're here to see dr madeline about it and dr madeline takes them in the back room and when they return from the back room pregnancy belly's gone oh um, yeah no I, I missed that detail so there are oh, she's an abortionist like, <laughs> like there's no way whether it's a physical thing or like a pill or whatever she's doing she's making these women not pregnant anymore which is that's a crazy thing to have in a kids movie i think most people would say yeah i don't have a problem with it it's just that's strange that is a strange note to bring Yeah, no, I somehow I did not catch that. I must have been writing in my notebook and missed the whole pregnancy belly thing. Yeah, and it's not a yeah. And there's some talk of the stork visiting them and whatnot, but yeah, it goes really fast, and they don't make a big deal out of it. But it's definitely there, and it definitely happened. Don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the old guy with the xylophone spine gives Jack an egg this guy collects eggs because his ex-wife used to make him the best eggs so now he just holds on to eggs as like memories um and he's drawn a smiley face on this brown egg and he's, he gives it to jack to have like a childhood memory or something um which 
they spend enough time on it that you feel like, oh, this is going to be an important thing. This egg is going to come back in a big way at the end of the movie or something. No. <laughs> we will meet that egg's demise very soon. Um, <clears throat> Jack wants to go to school. And, um, well, maybe that's a little bit ahead. There, Madeline is very, very protective of Jack and has kept him very sort of sequestered and isolated in the house. He doesn't get to go into town very often, so when they do go, he's very excited. Or maybe this is even his first trip into town. But he's talked to him. Yeah, I, I got the idea that he yeah. has never left the house. Um, and at this point, he's like 10 or 11. Um, and they go into uh, town. It's 10. It's yeah. his 10th birthday. That's right. Yeah, which he has no friends, so he has to celebrate with Dr. Madeline, xylophone spine guy, and these two probable ladies of the night <laughs> who drop by. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's like his set of friends, I guess, or these grown-ups. Um, there's a pretty good line here when they get into town. He sees a big clock on the building and he says is that my dad <laughs> um so not only that but she hasn't explained things very well to this kid that he thinks like okay i'm your mom and it's like the, that the idea would even enter his head that like oh you got knocked up by a giant clock like that's why I'm the way I am. <laughs> like, no, explain to this kid that like, no, I did surgery on you, and that's why you're part clock, cyborg boy. <laughs> but it was pretty funny. Um, she gets distracted. She's trying to keep a tight leash on him. He's excited about seeing a girl eating cotton candy, and excited about he hears barrel organ music off in the distance, and she gets distracted. By a guy who, there's a guy who runs up and he's like, oh, is that the time? What time is it? And she's like, six o'clock. Oh, it just turned 6.01 or whatever. And he's like, oh, no, I was supposed to meet a woman here. And now I'm a minute late, so I'll never see, like, a minute late. <laughs> she couldn't wait a minute for you? She's just like, fuck that guy. And just <laughs> ran off. <laughs> like, I don't know. People that's are, enough uh, to the are very punctual. Yeah, they don't mess around. Um, <laughs> so... Dr. Madeline has gotten distracted by this guy who she also, because she was listening to Jack's heart with like a stethoscope. And when Jack runs off and leaves, she doesn't notice. And when she turns around back around, she has the stethoscope up against this guy's crotch. The guy was wondering what time it is. So there's another like, this is, is this for kids? I don't know. Um, but she's distracted enough that Jack has managed to run off and she doesn't know where he went. He's wandered into sort of a, a, a town square, sort of, where there's a girl, a young girl his age, playing the barrel organ. And they have a conversation that turns into a song, a very strange song, that's all about how she can't see very well without her glasses, but she likes music and she likes hearing thunder when it's going to rain. And there's, and here's the first real kind of, I don't think this was maybe translated very well. Or maybe it was, and this is, again, not a children's movie whatsoever. There's a line in this song that they're singing to each other, Jack and this girl, where Jack says that he wants to rip her clothes with his teeth. <laughs> yeah, I made note of that, too. Which is, I mean, that's, <laughs> again, that is 
that you're not going to hear that in a in Wreck It Ralph, you know, like that's a, a pretty strange line. Um, Especially when you're the couple in question are ten years old. Are ten years old, and he's never. This would, I'm guessing, be the first girl his age, or the first girl at all, other than these, his adopted mom and these two women that hang out at his house, that he's ever even met, that he's ever seen. <laughs> so, he, I don't know, he's got some pretty strange ideas, but he, um, yeah, he instantly falls in love with this girl and his heart starts breaking down. We're not breaking down, but shutting down. Smoke, smoke's coming out. Yeah. So he has to run off and leave her there. And the, the other thing that I notice around here is that, and I think this is, again, a translation thing, because they're having to keep up with, the, because French is a very sort of fast language, and so the lip motions for the animation are also moving very fast. So the people doing the English voices to try to match lip movement are having to speak very fast. Yeah, like there yeah. are a lot of times the people are speaking and singing much quicker than they would or should. <laughs> uh, particularly when I noticed it a lot with um, one of the ladies that hangs out with Dr. Uh, Madeline is talking to Jack about, you know, oh, did you meet a girl in town? You And she's going on and on, but her, they're kind of ribbing him about, okay, but you can't fall in love, though. Remember the rules. Um, yeah, after he comes back and gets his heart fixed up from meeting the girl. Um, but yeah, when she's talking to him, she's just talking very, very quickly. Um, and I'm guessing that has to be a... due to just the mechanics of having to try to match the lips of these characters that are speaking French, which is much quicker. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack decides he wants to go to school. Dr. Madeline lets him, so he's starting school at age probably 11 now or whatever. Um, there's another... Yeah. But hey, his, his whole... His motivation for going to school is because... Uh, the, the one, and again, this goes to your theory that the women are prostitutes. Uh, Luna comes in and she's wearing like a schoolgirl uniform. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, that looks like what the the girl I met was wearing. And he's, she's explains that it's from back when she was in school, and tells him what school she went to. And so he's like, oh, I bet she goes to that school. So I want to go to that school. She says, and I just wear it because <laughs> there's no reason. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so he gets to school. There's another kid named Jack who's a real corpse bride looking. Like, this is the Burtonist, the Burton, whoever Burton does. Like, <laughs> he very much looks like an animated Johnny Depp that you would see in a. Yeah, he, he looks like the, the groom from the corpse bride. It's 100%. weird that his name Just, is like, also. Not yeah. It's weird I that thought his name was Joe. Joe? That's what I wrote down. I could be I wrong. Or it was also Jack. Joe. Maybe not. 
I don't know. Either way, he's not singing so much as it's not even rapping either. It's sort of talking in a sing-songy voice, but he and he's really going fast. To where like yeah. you, might, you might think like, oh, is he is he trying to rap because he's talking so he's sing talking so fast. Yeah, like if you looked at what he's saying written out, there would be no punctuation, no commas, just. But he's a very menacing figure. Like he rules the school. He's not having this new kid come in and think he's gonna even have friends or anything. And he certainly he also has his eye on this girl. And so he's not putting up with that. So he's constantly picking on Jack, and he's got his sort of gang of friends to push him around and make fun of him. Um, yeah, and here's where he grabs that egg with a smiley face that Jack's carrying around and smashes it on Jack's head, and that's the last we see of that egg. So it really was not important whatsoever. No. Um, so bye-bye, egg. And then bye-bye, I. A couple years have gone by. Um, they've gotten a little taller. They've gotten a little bigger. So they're, you know, they're Jack's, I don't know, I think, he's, now. I think they're 14. 14 or 15. Gets to the main part of the story. He's 14. <laughs> and um, him and, I'm just going to keep, uh, maybe his name's, you say Joe. I'm going to just keep calling him Mother Jack, because that's what I okay. <laughs> I could have sworn that was his name. Um because later on isn't there some confusion as to between our jack and miss acacia which we come to find out is the little girl's name um when they're talking about jack and she's misunderstanding and thinking that he's talking about the other jack i think the confusion was all just on his part like because because joe jack whatever his name is had said that he knew her and like he had a postcard from her that, that Jack finds that like she wrote to him from wherever she went and so every time she talks about this boy that she fell in love with that she met one day he just assumes that she's talking about Joe because oh. you know, he's, he's got self-deprecation things well she couldn't be talking about me and she doesn't recognize him because when they met she didn't have her glasses and so she doesn't know what he looks like yeah we'll we'll get to that when that yeah that's coming up but there's this movie could have been 40 minutes shorter if this kid had just explained the situation to this girl when they meet again but we'll get into that right but um yeah so joe is he's got he's got jack picked up he's had enough of this kid and he's like choking him. He's holding him in the air and like choking him. And the cuckoo. And he's messing with the hands on Jack's cuckoo clock heart. And the cuckoo bird comes out and puts out Jack's eye or Joe's eye. Um, and it's not like super gory or anything, but there's like a drop of blood that lands on Jack's face and he wipes it off and looks at it like, oh God, what have I done? So he's taking out this kid's eye now. He runs home and. Dr. Madeline is like, oh, well, you have to leave. Like, you have to go on the run now. The cops are coming to get you. <laughs> I feel like she has done this before. Because she has, like, <laughs> on the floor. All right, you're going to go down this trap, or you're going to go down the ladder. Then you're going to go down to the river. You're going to go this many paces. This, like, she has very exact 
instructions on how to run away from the police to get out of jail. <laughs> like, I feel like this is not her first rodeo. <laughs> it's a very detailed escape the cops plan. Um, yeah, so he has to leave her and the other friends behind and um, and run away because the police are coming to get him for putting out this jerk's eyeball. Well, and he thinks that he killed the kid. I don't know why he jumps to that conclusion, but he's like, I just killed Joe at school. And <laughs> Because, again, I feel like even school or no school, this is a very uneducated kid. Like, right. He's not getting any yeah. help from Dr. Madeline in learning how life works. Like, she has yeah. been so sheltered that... Yeah, any injury. But, like, kid, you got your heart removed and replaced with a clock. It takes more than that. If that didn't kill you, <laughs> Joel will be fine without an eye. Like, I don't know. But, yeah. So, he leaves. He gets on a very fanciful train, which is kind of a cool design. It's got, like, wings on the engine, little vestigial wings that flap. And then when the train is driving, it has, like, accordion parts in the middle. So, it, like, stretches and it gets longer and shorter yeah. and longer and shorter. Which is a wildly impractical train design, but it looks interesting. <clears throat> I don't think it would work very well as a functioning vehicle, but um, it's on this train ride, which, and again, not a children's movie. He meets Jack the Ripper. Yep. There's just there's a guy on a train with a knife who starts chasing him, who is singing a song about how he's Jack the Ripper, and he cuts women up and like. <laughs> Like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> is now Jack the Ripper's in this movie? Turns out not. It was just a projection um, being projected for whatever reason by the only other person on the train um, who is a cartoon representation of the real-life person, George, I don't know if it's Milies, Milies, who's the real guy who made A Trip to the Moon and was like the inventor of like movie special effects like he created you know <clears throat> early like turn of the century you know <clears throat> movies those first stuff that was ever put on film those first silent movies and stuff he created you know of using different exposures and using miniatures and using you know different like he invented so much of that stuff so we have a cartoon this is him they've inserted this real life person into this movie but he has a he has a, a film camera that is also a projector not how that works but okay um yeah and he was for whatever reason projecting this footage that he has made of jack the ripper and that what was chasing our jack around see another jack there's three jacks in the movie. um <laughs> I just like the how the the train design fit into that little sequence. It was kind of cool how like Jack the Ripper's chasing him. He gets all the way to the end of the accordion hallway and it pulls back, so he's right back where he started, like right next to Jack the Ripper. It's like, ah, crap. (laughs) Which I feel like is the only reason it was designed that way. Yeah, it does look cool and it makes that little chase sequence and musical number more interesting and look cool. And that has to be the only reason that the train was designed that way. <laughs> so, for that, um, 
But yeah, so it, but it winds up amounting to nothing. You have this whole like there's this big thing, oh like, oh god, he's getting chased by Jack the Ripper, and Jack the Ripper is in this movie for some reason, but not really. So it doesn't really it feels like a an odd little detour, one of many in this movie. Um <laughs> it's probably just kind of padding the runtime. I feel like there was like a forty minute movie here that got stretched to an hour and forty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so now he's buddies with um, George, I why I'm not is it Melies, Melies? I think it's <laughs> I think it's Melies. Um, they are on their I way to. The, I love that George introduces himself as I wrote it down. He as a an inventor, a filmmaker, and a magician on the verge of a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we don't really know why or what his problem is, but. Um, yeah, so they're both on their way by train to Andalusia, Spain. Um, they arrive there and immediately go to uh, what seems to be like a, not a circus, but it's like a, I don't know, it's like a carnival. Yeah, a carnival, like a state fair, (laughs) but all the time. Um, and this thing is filled with Cronenberg nightmares. Oh God, yes. The, the characters that reside in this carnival are uh, not even Tim Burton would <laughs> come up with these guys. There's a lady with two heads. There's a guy with a mouse face. There's a person who's basically just he's almost like Modoc. He's just like a head with tiny little legs and arms <laughs> like he's like an Eggman. Yeah. And then there's one who looks like a cartoon drawing of a sun. Like he's just a big face with all these little so he looks like a like a old timey drawing of the sun. So he has all these he has like eight or ten little sort of legs coming off. And he just rolls around and he's flat like a disc, like like they're very they're very, very, very stylized. Which is odd to see when ever all the other characters are so not stylized. I don't know, but they're oh, there's a balloon lady. There's a lady whose head comes off, and it's just a balloon that she carries around. Like it's very fanciful in a weird sort of way. Um. And here's where we're reacquainted with singing in Spanish, Miss Acacia, who he immediately recognizes as like, oh, shit, that's the little girl that I fell in love with, who literally broke my heart, <laughs> um, all grown up. And she resides at this, by pure luck and happenstance. Or no, he went there on purpose because he, the postcard, right? Yeah, yeah, he was following the, the postcard. The postcard told him that she was there. That's why he went there. Um She gets done singing and goes in her wagon slash trailer or whatever. Um, he's brought her, I don't know where he got this from, but he's brought her a bouquet of glasses, which is kind of cute. But immediately, that should be the sign to her, because nowhere in her song or in the tiny bit of conversation they have leading up to this does she mention that she needs glasses. So the second this kid walks up to you, 
and hands you a bouquet of glasses, you should go, oh, I know who this is. <laughs> this is that kid from all those years ago who had the issue, you know, who I told all about my eyesight problems. Like, who else, why would, why would someone bring you, who just met you, bring you this bouquet of glasses? But it's a cute little, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, she's like, uh-huh, yeah, thanks, type of thing. Well, she's probably used to getting hit on all the time by weirdos who come to the carnival, but I'm sure none of them have brought her a bouquet of glasses before because they would have no reason to. So there's there has to be someone with inside knowledge, and she should recognize that. Um, and I, I do want to mention here, and they did show this in the original scene, where they first meet as kids it was just like a brief flash thing and then it happens again here one of the cool the things that i did like about that is like the the subtle just like things that they do and don't even talk about that tell you things about the characters yeah when she's being guarded or like trying you know just like in a get away from me type of mood the yeah these vines of thorns pop out on her and then just then then retract when she's you know feeling more comfortable and that was one of those like fairy tale things i don't know if that's a thing in france they say like you're being thorny when you're guarded i don't know <laughs> maybe but yeah they kind of just they kind of just whoop, they kind of pop in like on her shoulders and the tops of her arms not like her face or her whole body but just like her upper torso and then they go away again right away, you know, like, the, a, yeah. like anytime someone says something that sort of puts her, you know, on edge or like, yeah, like emotionally guarded, but they never reference it at all. It's just, it's just a thing that happens that you can see, but there's never a discussion about, oh, and that's why I have thorns. Yeah. It's, a very, <laughs> nobody, it's, just, a, it's just a visual style choice thing that is kind of cool. Yeah, nobody looks at her and goes, what the fuck? You just... <laughs> Why do you have thorns popping out of your body? <laughs> yeah, and it never becomes a thing like he goes to hug her and they come out and he gets stabbed and it's, oh, God, I got, you know, it's never that. It's always just, it's just this little quick thing that happens to her and then goes away and we never talk about it. So it's it's sort of that uh, that magical reality of like, well, is that even a thing? Or are we just seeing a visual representation? Like, does this girl literally have thorns that come out of her for some reason? Or... You know, more likely is it just a cool visual like choice to the Yeah. Um, so, Jack decides, well, he's got to stay here because, yeah, she doesn't recognize him for whatever. And But it's at this point, he could say to her, and the movie would be over, happy ending, he could say to her, hey, I'm Jack. Well, she knows his name is Jack. But it's like, I'm the kid, let me tell you a story. I met you in this square, you were playing a barrel organ, we sang a song to each other. Then smoke started coming out of my heart. I'm sure you remember that. That doesn't happen every day. And look, here I am with my Ku Klux heart, remember it? But he doesn't. He's immediately like, oh, I guess she doesn't remember me. Woe is me. I'll have to win her over some other way. And it's like, no, bro. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Even with the excuse of like, oh, she doesn't recognize my face because she didn't have her glasses on at the time. She's not wearing her glasses now either. So you're going to be the same exact blurry face that she loved back then. <laughs> like, it's, 
I mean, and it's there to prolong the film and keep the story going and to make some sort of tragedy out of it, you know. But it's like in movies where it's like, oh, well, if anyone had a cell phone, this movie would be over in 10 minutes. This is that. <laughs> but all it would take is a 30-second conversation to prove to her that, like, yeah, I'm that guy. Because no one else would even know that. It's not like he could be some pretender. Yeah. You know? They were the only two people there who had that conversation. No one else would know it. So he, it would be very easy to prove to her. But... Anyway, so he's decided to stick around. He takes a job from the mean old lady who runs the carnival to work the ghost train. Um, which leads to probably the craziest music number-wise. Like, he's very... Now he's he's gone full emo goth now. He's, like, got, like, this crazy outfit with a top hat, and he's got, like the black light he's got like crow makeup on and he's like <laughs> um, yeah he runs the ghost train he's in charge of scaring people on this very fast not the ghost train like you go to at the state fair where you go very slowly and things pop out <gasps> like this is like a high speed fucking dangerous <laughs> ghost trip um, so that's his job now at the carnival uh, Milias has made and shows to everyone at the carnival that uh, he's made a movie, like an undersea Romeo and Juliet that he's <laughs> somehow filmed with this with the two-headed woman as Juliet. They're kind of becoming a, an item, sort of. Um, and it's black and white, and it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's an interesting thing, but again, it's something that if you took out of this movie, it would not impact the movie at all. And it feels like yeah. it's just, we need four more minutes of something here, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it was kind of visually cool, but yeah, it, it didn't really need to be in there at all. No, I mean, it's not even like it, it makes Acacia, like, change her mind or turn around or you know like it's it doesn't have it really doesn't have any impact at all other than sort of i guess there's the parallel of like romeo and juliet doomed lovers but i mean they're not as doomed as romeo and juliet were like this isn't like a hundred year old blood feud between families it's you don't wear glasses that's your problem <laughs> it's not that deep <laughs> Yeah, so then I have so I have another question. And again it's a kids movie, don't think too hard about it, but I'm I'm a grown up, so I think about things, <laughs> you know. How does she how does Acacia not remember because she was a girl who went to that school, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you have heard the story of the boy with the cuckoo heart who put out your friend's eye and then ran away from the law. <laughs> like, I mean, I suppose she's sort of, she's left town. Well, I guess, yeah, she's left town by then. Yeah. Never mind. It just felt it weird. It didn't seem like she really had any contact with back home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, all right. That Never mind. That makes sense. It just felt weird that she would, like, how have you not 
<laughs> that that would be the talk of the town if if that happened. <laughs> um, and obviously Joe hasn't because she's been in communication with Joe, but he apparently he hasn't told her like that he lost an eye at all, or that if he has, he didn't tell her the story of like. Oh, it's crazy. It got put out by a kid with a cuckoo clock heart. <laughs> he was vague on those details, I guess. Um, well, he seems like the kind of guy that he would have been, he would have told that story as it was five guys and he he messed them up real good, but he lost an eye. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even do it. It's when I turned around, I, <laughs> I tripped and fell on a pitchfork or something. He'd make it sound real badass. Not a ten-year-old with a cuckoo clock took my eye. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of conversation back and forth between Jack and Milia's about what what he should do in this situation, and, and Milia's is just like it's probably, you can just tell her another way. Like I don't, he doesn't also doesn't understand why he's not explaining this to her. <laughs> like why is she admits to him that she's she's falling for him, but she says that she can't do anything about it because she's she's in love with someone already that she met back home, and that's where he jumps to the conclusion of, oh, that's Joe, where she's really talking about him when he was a kid that she doesn't recognize. But so he's he thinks he's got competition, when in fact he is his own competition. But he acknowledges that he's his own competition because he's like, the reason I'm not telling her is because what if she oh, yeah. doesn't remember me the way that I, like, what if she's in love with the old me that she remembers and that's not who I am anymore? So he's not even worried about Joe necessarily. He's just worried that she's not going to, even if he explains it to her, she's not going to recognize him as the same. So it's, it's a very, like, just get over it, dude. You could have this taken care of real fast. But he decides the way he's going to explain it to her, rather than just having a conversation, is they're going to put on an elaborate puppet show. So Milia's and the two-headed lady help him put on this puppet show for Acacia to explain the backstory that somehow she's missing. Um, and so now she gets it. Now everything should be should be okay. She tells him sort of her backstory that her parents were taken. Well, they immigrated to, I guess, Edinburgh from wherever, but the, their paperwork wasn't right or something. So the cops came and like took her parents away and she never saw them again. And she laid out in the snow crying about it. And the, the frozen tears she had from that is why she can't see very good, which I mean, that's a pretty long-winded explanation for me to wear glasses, but like, you could just say I need glasses, but everything has to have the mythological feel to it, this fairy tale feel to it. Um, Jack gives her the literal, literal key to his heart um, and trusts her with it. But yeah. He tells her that this is another weird song here with some real weird lyrics, but she can open him up you know, and touch him in ways that no one else can because now you have this key. Um, 
could have sworn. I wish I would have written it down. I could have sworn there's a line of the song that she sings something about I know how to make you come or something like that. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of a bad country song I heard or something. <laughs> like it's it's framed as part of a it's framed as part of a sentence that's like cut off and then like to me or you know like after maybe i'm maybe it, I I'm not yeah we did we did forget to mention i mean i i suppose it's it's supposition but he he has this key because his heart needs to be wound every couple of days yes which was which not important which, at the end yeah and it should have been one of the th- there should have been four rules then also yeah. find your heart not just don't touch the hands don't lose your temper don't fall in love it also should have been wine like that's rule number four but i guess it goes without saying i guess um yeah so she has the key to his heart they're planning to run off together after her next she's gonna sing tonight and then they're going to leave they're just gonna get on a train and go somewhere and they'll figure it out um but it's right about that time that joe arrives and immediately steps off the train and is doing his talk rapping again <laughs> very quickly <laughs> about how he's you know he's come for acacia and oh there's stupid jack again who took my eye and i'm gonna get my revenge and um jack and acacia get in an argument about joe because she's like no he's not like that like i don't know when he was a bully to you but he's always been nice to me and he's still feeling very, I guess, insecure and inferior and worried that even though the girl has already, like, taken the key to your heart, says she loves you, she's going to run away with you, he's still very sort of pissy and worried that Joe is going to come and steal her away. <clears throat> um, and this argument culminates in his... A lightning coming out of nowhere and striking his heart. You see cogs fly out of it. And he's he's pretty messed up now. Um, in a sort of delayed reaction kind of way, but um, which again is a pretty fantastical sort of subtext as text <laughs> moment. As lightning strikes his heart. Um, I don't remember what her issue is because she's mad enough at him that she leaves with the, with Joe. Yeah, she says something about. I mean, it's kind of convoluted, but she like. She says that not only is she she's she feels like he's been dishonest with her about Joe, but also she she worries about what them being together would do to his heart like she's worried that he's gonna die if he gets you know because he's fallen in love with her and that's one of the rules and so he she like pushes him away like i don't want you to die so yeah that's that's but also you saw like his heart started breaking down the first time that you met and you sang one song and now you're in like an actual relationship sort of and you're planning to run away and his heart's been okay right so i don't know (laughs) know. 
he's maybe a little more worried about that than he should be. Or maybe he's not worried enough. I don't know. But, yeah. So she gets on the train with Joe. Joe has won the day. Leaves Jack behind at the carnival. Um, so, Joe has no reason to be, or Jack has no reason to be there anymore. So he's going to head back to Edinburgh. And it's sort of at this same time. Well, Acacia learns that Dr. Madeline has died since Joe left, or since Jack left. Um, I think in her head it was like, he'll be fine if he leaves me because he'll have her to take care of him. Right. You know? But now that she knows, shit, I have the key and Dr. Madeline is dead, he's going to get back to Edinburgh and no one's going to be able to, you know, he's not going to be able to maintain his own heart. Yeah, Um, Joe tells her that when Jack ran away, uh, Madeline was arrested and taken to prison and she died in prison like of a broken heart yeah which is a whole nother like hey kids <laughs> yeah. how's this in your in your cartoon <laughs> it's pretty grim well I mean we have parents dying in Disney movies since the beginning but yeah not in prison, in prison, <laughs> while covering up for your child's crime. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so she's trying to catch up to Jack, chase him back to. Well, because he's on his way to Valencia, by way of, I guess he's heading to Edinburgh eventually, but she just misses him in, in Valencia, and the train pulls away. So now she has to sort of. She's always one step behind. She has to kind of chase him down to get him his heart key back before it's too late. He gets back to Edinburgh. Cogs are cogs are falling out of his heart. His heart's really starting to come apart. Um, he goes back to the house. The xylophone spine guy and the two ladies have apparently just taken over. Maybe she left it to them in her will. But... They just Madeline. they just live in Madeline's house now. That's <laughs> just I guess they're like the town freaks, so they had to stick together. But they're not even freaks compared to the carnival people we just saw. Those are freaks. <laughs> These are just two prostitutes and a guy with a xylophone spine. Like they're pretty mellow compared. Um Yeah, so they explain to Jack that Madeline is dead. So now he's really had, he lost his mom, he's lost his girl, he's really got nothing to live for. He goes out in the freezing cold to Dr. Madeline's grave and is, I guess, just going to let himself freeze to death or let his heart freeze up and um, and that'll be it. Um, Acacia gets there sort of just in time, finds him mostly frozen. Um, tries to give him his heart key back and tries to help him, but he's like, no, I'm good with dying now. (laughs) Which I don't, like, she's here. Yeah, he he takes, like, she hands him the key and he throws it off the cliff and he he says, at least now it'll be my choice, or something like that. Yeah, this emo boy has really ramped it up a notch and decided (laughs) to just 
death is just preferable at this point. Um, I mean, part of it might be that it is something that's going to require some maintenance and Madeline isn't around anymore, but he had Milies helping him with his heart during their journey at the carnival. Milies was enough of a tinkerer to kind of, I mean, maybe not with the expertise that Madeline had, but, you know, to keep his heart running. So I don't feel like it's a hopeless situation. And especially now that Acacia has shown up, I don't, I don't know why he's still so suicidal. I don't... <laughs> I guess that has to be the tragic end, but he's a real, real emo boy. <laughs> um, and this is pretty cool. So they kiss, and time freezes. And he climbs... And this is the last thing in the movie. It's an odd ending, but it's a cool visual. He... So time freezes. She's left there kind of making kissy face. And he climbs the frozen like the snowflakes that were falling are frozen in time and he like climbs up them like a climbing wall and just climbs up into the sky and disappears which is cool looking and there were lots of little we didn't talk about them but there were lots of cool sort of flourishes like when visual flourishes like after he first meets her his cuckoo clock bird in his mind is replaced with like like when it comes out it's a little version of her like dancing mm-hmm. and there's lots of things where like she sort of appears to him as a very or something and there's a bunch of her dancing around and so there's little visual sort of dream sequency type stuff or on the uh, the first train ride with the song that he has with Amelia's they're like in sort of like a like a cardboard cutout pop-up book sort of background that is yeah I know that one's right. so yeah there's some cool visual stuff but yeah, that's the end. Jack dies, <laughs> leaves her there as he climbs in, assumingly metaphorically, climbs off into the sky. And, um, I mean, that's all pretty depressing. <laughs> like, again, not a kid's movie. Um, I feel like the target audience is probably more like tweens and whatnot. Yeah. More into this. <clears throat> Yeah, like I say, I think over there they are—they are a little darker with their kids. Like, like I mean, the, all the original European fairy tales were all very like violent and morally reprehensible in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. And so, like this, this kind of feels like like them toning it down for kids if this is a fairy tale (laughs) yeah kind of i don't i i think it's okay i don't think it's great i don't think it's bad it's interesting in that it's not like an animated movie you've probably ever seen before tonally and but i i do feel like so much is lost it had to be lost in translation that the music didn't work for me just because the lyrics are so odd like odd in specific ways and very and kind of all over the place um and none of the melodies are are terribly great either to go with them so it's kind of yeah the music didn't really work for me the animation is just okay but it's yeah it's not bad it's not it's not something i would put in the rotation with my kids 
one of the other like Disney Pixar movies or you know any of that stuff. But, uh, all right, it's worth checking out. Not bad. Interest anyway. I mean, like you say, the the animation wasn't top notch, but they did some visually interesting things with it. It was it was interesting to look at and watch. Yeah, I feel like it's well directed as far as how the sequences and stuff go and how it's filmed, even if the animation itself isn't anything to write home about necessarily, but they do a lot with what they have, I think. Um, yeah, it's okay. I, I guess, given, given our track record, I suppose it's one of the better movies we've watched, which is a pretty low bar to clear, but it's not... And I, honestly, I was just excited to to have an animated movie. I mean, we hadn't done that yet, so. And it wasn't something really crappy, horrible, like, oh, what's a good example? Any of the many horrible Christmas animated specials that uh, I've seen Nostalgia Critic talk about. Wow, some of those were just, or, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But. Yeah, or any, like. <laughs> weird Christian cartoons or some kind of like um yeah there are certainly worse animation things we could have landed on for sure um so it's about that time to press the button the magic button and find out what the movie for next week is however next week is episode 25 and like all good comic books every 25th issue you have to do something special so I've decided <laughs> the 25th episode anniversary spectacular next week i'm going to do a full-length commentary myself and my partner will watch the movie no notes no prep time we will watch the movie and comment along with it so it'll probably be i guess it depends on how long the movie is but a longer episode um which is a cool thing to do, I feel like, but also a scary thing to do because I don't know what the movie is going to be yet. Um, it could be a real disaster. So, um, but I wanted to do something special for episode 25. So I'm crossing all my fingers and toes while I press this button here because who knows <laughs> what I'm gonna have to, like, can you imagine having to do a full-length commentary on, like, I don't know, Savage Planets. Well, I man, I don't know. Maybe that would make it better and funnier. So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All right. I'm pressing the button. And the movie for episode 25, full-length commentary. Oh! <laughs> you know what? That's kind of amazing. Um... There are things that would have been cooler choices, but given how many bad choices there could have been, I'm really looking forward to this. It's a classic film, literally a classic film. A Christmas staple. It's on Amazon Prime. I will be watching the black and white version, not the colorized version, because that's for chumps. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, what a beauty. What a selection. How lucky is that? I will happily do an entire commentary 
live on mic for It's a Wonderful Life. Of all the things I could have got, I mean, are there things I would have rather gotten? Sure. But that's a pretty good, pretty good choice. That's honestly one of my favorite movies to this day. It's a great movie. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart in that film. It's a great movie. And Donna Reed. Yeah. Not for nothing, Donna Reed could get it. Good looking lady. <laughs> um, well, I had Jimmy Stewart too. He can get it as well. So, it's, it's a Wonderful Life on Amazon Prime from 1946. Next episode next week. Full movie commentary. No notes prepared. We're just going to go with the flow. It will either be. Uh, boring with long moments of silence because we're getting drawn into the movie and <laughs> forget to speak or we'll keep our heads about us and um, I don't know it'll be an interesting experiment but I wanted to do something special for episode 25 I'll do it again at episode 50 and 75 and 100 um, probably won't get as good a pick as It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> like, I feel very lucky and blessed but that'll do it for this week any closing uh, thoughts from you? No, I feel like I've said everything I wanted to say, and yeah, uh, I've been—I don't know—I've been watching a lot of movies lately. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving that one a rewatch. I, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies, so um, and I watch it. I. I make a point of making a tradition watching that every Christmas Eve. And, See, and I have it. It'll be fun for me. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I haven't watched it in a number of years, probably. Even though it's, I mean, it's constantly available. It's on, at the very least, every Christmas and Christmas Eve, you can watch it on TV. It's not quite at, like, Christmas story level where it's 24 hours. That nonsense could stop as well. Like, we get it. It's a Christmas story. <laughs> it's fine. It's a good movie, but... I would rather have 24 hours of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I think it's a much better movie than A Christmas Story. And I'll, I'll just mention it here, just because it, it made me think of it. Um, the Riff Tracks guys actually just did a commentary for it as like a like a streaming video. But there's this weird thing. It's a Wonderful where Life? There's, yeah. Oh. And, but there's this weird thing where there's like two different versions of the film there's the the one that you have to pay a whole bunch of money to do a rough track on and then there's like a public domain version that they were able to do for free but it has entire chunks of the story edited out because it's like it has something to do with the fact that it was based on the book and there were things, there were certain parts of the story that they didn't have the rights from the estate of the guy who wrote the book to, like, rebroadcast and stuff. Huh. So, like, the entire, almost the entire, like, what would your life be like, or what would the world be like without you sequence was gone. That's the whole movie. Like, <laughs> like it starts with, with, or it, it it gets to the point where he's at the bridge and he meets a jumps, he meets Clarence. And then it cuts to like him going back to the bridge and like, 
I want to live again. And it's like, it makes no sense. It's so stupid. That's weird. But that's the version that they had to use. It was so, I, I don't know. Well, I won't be using that version. I'll be using the full <laughs> version. It says two hours and ten minutes. That's got to be the whole... Yeah, I just yeah, thought it was so That's going to be a long episode. Two hours and ten minutes plus some setup at the beginning and probably talking at the end. That's going to be probably an almost two and a half hour long episode for me. But I'm a little disheartened to learn that Rift Tracks just did it. I want everyone to know that I'm not trying to rip them off or anything. I literally just pushed a button and up it came. No, I didn't know, ten minutes ago, I didn't know that's what the movie was going to be. So, No, I just thought it was an interesting yeah, thing that there are two completely different versions of the film. One that makes no sense and one that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you even would cut that out. Like, that's crazy. It's also crazy to me that there's never been a remake of It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe that's a rights thing just like that. Like, there are things that have sort of ripped off the idea, the concept, who have used that this was your life. You know, lots of things have sort of played off that idea. But there's never been, like, a, like, It's a Wonderful Life, 2013, starring Tom Hanks, obviously. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's almost bizarre that they've never made a remake of that but that might be a rights thing as well or maybe just for once in hollywood someone had good sense and went never <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's sort of like i would like to believe it's pretty cool that, that might be the one film that's like that nobody's gonna touch you know well and also bob gale and bob zemeckis have apparently enough rights in Back to the Future that they're like, no, there's not going to be a remake or a reboot of Back to the Future. Not while we're fucking alive. Forget it. Don't even ask. So, that's good. <laughs> anyway. I wish the J.O. Bar had that kind of control. Oh, man. <laughs> well, at this, no, at this point, I would take not whatever crow I can get, but it's been a while. There hasn't been well, a just don't crow anything in a long definitely time. Definitely not looking forward to a Jason Momoa crow. So, what is that? You haven't. That's the the latest iteration that's in the works is Jason Momoa playing Eric Draven. Get the fuck out of here! No, I swear to God. But there's been talk. They've been talking about a new version of the crow. It's been on and off and on and off and on and off for the last. I don't know, ten years they've been talking about that. Yeah, but I, I think not if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I've seen pictures of him in like a makeup test. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Oh, I don't care for that. Well, no. is it a new thing or is it a this is a very important question. Is it a new thing or is it a remake of the first movie? I think it's I think it's a remake of the original movie. Okay. They can take that and shove it directly up their ass. Yeah. You already had a shitty TV show that was a shitty remake of the first movie. You had the second movie, which was practically a remake of the first movie. Do something different. Here's what The Crow should be. It should be an anthology TV show. Either like American Horror Story, where every season is a different crow, or every episode is a different crow. There are so many different time periods. Look at what the comics did for a while. There are so many different types of characters women different you know first off i want a female crow that's number one 
and two yeah you can do ancient china you can do the old west you can do prohibition gangster stuff like there's so there many was... things you can do you don't have to keep redoing the same thing that you already got perfect the first time i i don't know if you read it but there was a really good comic it was like a three-part miniseries that took place in a world war ii concentration camp yes i did read that that was really good i could see that as an episode of said show you were talking about that would be awesome but that's the way to approach it yeah and tell a lot of different cool stories instead of retelling the same story again i don't want plus you're setting yourself up for trouble because who wants to nobody should be playing our grid that's it that's it yeah <clears throat> nobody because as mark DeCasco surely learned you're no brandon <laughs> lee <laughs> don't try don't try to like you know like i'm fine with things being recast usually but there's just no reason there's no reason to tell that story again and there's no reason to use that character again because you're never going to be brandon lee you know what i mean like it's just, just like you're never going to be jimmy <laughs> jimmy who stewart yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I was bringing it back around. Anyway, um, yeah, we got we got a little sidetrack, but this is this is important. <laughs> this is important work we're doing. <laughs> I feel like I I know it doesn't match up with this podcast, but I would love to do a podcast episode solely on this subject and the subject of the crow. And well, when I did the crossover with the other, that's the random guys, and he asked me for their because I had already had. Um, Night of the Living Dead Resurrection pick so that's what he was stuck watching and he was like I usually just let my guests decide what they want to talk about what do you want to talk about I was like I don't even know you know there's so many things we could talk about we could talk about like have you done an MCU episode yet have you done I know you did some DC movie stuff and you did Jurassic Park movies um, I was like oh, oh, oh what's your what's your knowledge on the crow <laughs> the crow franchise and he's like, I saw the first one a long time ago. It's like, shit. So I tried. I tried. But we didn't get there. And then I wound up just like, I'm like, I don't know. You just pick. And he picked Urban Legend, and it was fine. Um, but yeah, that was definitely in there. And I told him if they ever decide, like, if you ever get a, an itch up your butt to talk about The Crow or My Chemical Romance or, I don't know, Deadpool or something, like, for some reason, you know. I'll be there for that. But yeah, we still have to do our top 20 or 25 MCR songs thing, you and me, special bonus episode. We should do a Crow thing sometime. Find a way. Because yeah, it doesn't really doesn't fit the random aspect of it if we just get to decide what we want to talk about. But now we're just brothers talking. <laughs> <laughs> And then to do, let's, let's let these people who are surely fast forwarding now uh, out of the misery. That was Jack and the Cuckoo Cock, Cuckoo Clock, Cuckoo Clock Heart. Next week, it's a Wonderful Life on Amazon Prime. Full movie commentary. That'll do it for this week. On behalf of myself and you, <laughs> and me, Chris Lambert. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Cool. We went on.